welcome to the fifth episode of the Vetspective for Farmers podcast from Vet Partners, your knowledge base for all your on-farm veterinary know-how with our expert vets. My name's Amy Saran and I'm from West Point Farm Vets in the Southeast. And I'm Claire Whittle from LLM in the Northwest and we will be your hosts today. Each month, a new face from Vet Partners will join the discussion with insight from industry stakeholders with everything from dairy production to alpacas on the agenda. But for now, let's get cracking with today's episode. So in today's discussion, we'll be focusing on the subject of rearing dairy bull calves and how farmers can make this management practice work for their businesses. Joining us today, first of all, is Bill May from LLM, who literally put the M in LLM as a dairy vet who also sits on the clinical board here at Vet Partners. Now, Bill has watched the industry alter over time and he has a lot of insight, particularly as consumer perspective has become more important. We also have Gemma Holden, who is a dairy technical manager at Red Tractor and AHDB Dairy Senior Knowledge Exchange Manager, Stephen West. Now, Gemma writes and manages the Red Tractor dairy standards to make sure that they're fit for purpose and practical for the industry. She also provides technical expertise and manages any issues that could impact the reputation of Red Tractor and the wider industry. As you know, Steve is now a Senior Knowledge Exchange Manager for AHDB. And he's been involved in AHDB dairy activity on this subject. Steve looks after the West Midlands region and helps to develop tools that help farmers with their day-to-day needs on farm. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is the first time we've had like quite a lot of guests in the room on the podcast. So don't, don't worry about fighting for space. So to start, um, Stephen, are you able to set the scene for us by telling us a little bit about the GB Dairy Class Strategy 2020 to 2023, which has been led by AHDB and NFU? Yeah, of course. I'm very happy to. It actually, we've been talking about this subject for many years and uh, AHDB have been involved even back in 2013 with the Beyond Half Export Forum, which our role really within that was just to inform all of the stakeholders within the industry about some of the key figures about uh, calf uh, mortality, calf welfare in general, and the bull calf um, side of things came up in that. Fast forward five years um, with Brexit looming in 2018, we instigated, it was actually a colleague of mine, Jenny Gibbons, um, and uh, friends at the Cattle Health and Welfare Group. They instigated Dairy Beef Calf Forum, um, which was basically... uh, an idea that we were we were going to get the entire of the industry to set up a strategy that was that they could own and take forward to address this issue as we all can see you just only have to open a newspaper you can see that um, there's a huge consumer spotlight on our industry at the moment and one of the areas that uh, there was a risk for reputational damage was this uh, the fate of of some of the calves in our system so we had 80 participants representing all areas of the industry at this meeting and it was the precursor to a report that that we generated at AHDB and the 2020 to 2023 dairy calf strategy and the whole idea behind that is that we would rear all calves with care and eliminate the practice of euthanasia of calves by 2023. So that's that's the crux of it. Part of that, uh, it it involves responsible breeding strategies, better communication of market requirements, 
uh, supporting British beef sector and a whole range of other factors. And you can find that on the website. But but effectively, the whole industry owns this. So this isn't something that only we're going to do. There's a lot of partners involved in it as well, isn't there, Stephen, just from looking at the strategy itself? There is indeed. Yes. Yeah, so so we've got partners with, with the, the unions. We have Red Tractor involved. We've got milk processors. There's integrated beef supply chains. We've got retailers. Uh, there's academia and there's even welfare groups as part of that as well. So it really is something that the whole industry is taking responsibility for. So you mentioned Red Tractor, so we may as well bring Gemma in here. So Red Tractor is one of those 40 organisations involved in the development of this Great Britain dairy calf strategy, which is really difficult to say, 2020 to 2023. <laughs> so uh, Gemma, are you able to tell us a little bit more about the new standard that's going to help the dairy industry deliver on this commitment set out in the strategy? Yeah, thank you. So our new standard, which is coming out on the 1st of November 2021, that focuses on a written breeding and management policy. So there's already existing standards in place that cover the care of young stock on the farm, regardless of gender. And part of taking the breeding part of the policy first, this should be implemented on farm and should detail how the euthanasia of calves will not be the routine practice on the farm. And simply, this can be demonstrated by the management decisions, so sex semen, a calving pattern and heifer replacement rates. And it's just worth noting that we have got templates on the Red Tractor website, so hopefully they should, you know, farmers should be able to use them and find them as a valuable tool. And then in terms of management, which is kind of the second part of the policy, this should cover the provision um, of rearing facilities to cover the number of young stock which is providing the carving pattern provision for 100% of expected births over a 10-day period. And then we're also looking for the identified market for the breed of calf produced. And then what's the plan for the TB breakdown, etc. So it's worth noting that we're not asking for additional buildings to be put up. It's just a, that space is already available. So it may be using a silo where pens can be set up in case there was a breakdown or using other buildings around the site. So it's been able to demonstrate that there's enough space available if required. Thanks very much for that, Gemma. Um, a useful insight to help set the scene. And so in my role as a vet and from conversations I have, I know that rearing dairy bull cars can bring potential challenges for farmers. However, more often than not, there are steps that can be taken to help alleviate these challenges. So, Stephen and Bill, what would you say are the three key challenges that farmers face when it comes to rearing dairy bull calves? And what advice are you able to give them to help them overcome these challenges? Good question. I think sort of beyond the discussion about calf value, which I know we're going to touch on, it's about the management of those calves and the understanding that calves fundamentally are different from cows. They're much less tolerant of uh, temperature and um, climate sort of changes and, and, and holes in management, essentially. So hygiene factors, feeding inconsistencies all contribute to some of the diseases that calves get and ultimately that kill calves in, in the neonatal period, pre-weaning period. So I think having that understanding and so training, proper training, going through that with staff who hopefully um, have a certain amount of empathy for calves, I think that's always talked about, and that is critical. You know, we, we 
we look after cows um, uh, well, but calves often aren't in bespoke housing and not in ideal conditions, and we have to treat them as, as, as we would younger children, so look after them a bit more. So having a proper understanding of that and have a have proper training for the people who are involved, I think really is the key. And of course, that starts with colostrum, but encompasses many areas on um, feeding and housing. I, I guess just to just to add to that, um, I think I think from my point of view, TB is is clearly that's what I'm hearing from many farmers, farmers particularly in certain parts of Wales and down in southwest England where they're constantly in and out of restriction. Some of those TB challenges are around housing and suddenly becoming having having to retain twice as many calves as you ordinarily would have to. The challenges are slightly different for block carvers than they are with, with the way around carvers, but it's it's still a huge issue. And of course that also affects calf value. I know Bill mentioned calf value, but there are limited outlets for these TB or calves from TB restricted units. So one of the issues that we've got is availability of, of AFUs, so approved finishing units for, for those TB animals. And indeed, um, for, for animals that are actually in the milk phase of their life. So, so I think that's, that's part of a problem too. And then of course, you know, sex semen is, is, is often spoken about as the effectively the solution to all of our problems. And it, it, it certainly is a solution, but it, there are still plenty of barriers out there to using sex semen. And again, the barriers are very different uh, depending on the type of farmer and their, their existing challenges. So we, we know block carvers, for example, have very different challenges uh, to using sex semen being very protective of their of their service period and their and their carving block than than perhaps some of the all year round carvers. So we've we've addressed what these problems are, but you guys are are there to provide solutions to the industry, you know, as this red tractor trying to make all this um a, a lot more palatable and a lot easier for farmers. So let's let's talk about some structured solutions to what we've just talked about. So when we when we're talking about uh, sex semen. I, you know, I know that there's a lot of cows to serve in, in, a, in a very short period of time for for a lot of these block carvers. It's a big. I think it is a big step for block carving herds to go down that route, isn't it? But it doesn't mean it's impossible. So, for example, I know I have a couple of block carving herds that now use sex semen. So they'll use sex semen in all of their heifers, for example, because um, they're going to be their most genetically advanced animals. And then we'll also maybe use a selection of cows as well. So cows that are good producers, cows that have done well, almost the invisible cows in the herd, if you like. They'll maybe use a selection of those for sex semen. And then what they might choose to do is use a really good quality beef bull on the rest of the animals. So they're almost selecting those cows now early on and their heifers, and they're going to get the best genetics out of those heifers. And then they put... Um, a very good beef bull on they're reducing that risk of having those dairy bull calves which may be considered or have been in the past considered definitely as sort of a waste product on those farms is that something you've seen a lot of Stephen? Exactly that so so there's I guess there's mixed understanding for genetic information to start with um, you know a lot of a lot of farmers might not be aware that they if they're milk recording they they're through their levy, they will, they should 
have access to a herd genetic report so they can straight away see the best cows in their herd genetically and therefore they could set in a strategy that would allow them to serve those cows with the best genetic quality sex semen that they could they could get hold of um sex semen i guess has been i mean it's been used for decades right but only very recently there's there's been some really strong advances in the technology the sexing capacity of 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 what the breeding companies are doing and there is a feeling out there that um conception rates will automatically be way lower and and i think that can be the case uh you know i think that there are mixed competencies on farm with handling and storing and uh, you know ai technique and all of that and and i, and I think it, one thing that really is important to emphasize is you must be by the book when it comes to using sex semen and select the right cow um and and i think bill would be in a much better uh, position to talk about you know transition problems uh, you know carving difficulties and how that can affect fertility um but um but yeah with these advances i th- i think a lot of people are seeing equivalent um conception rates um to to their average conception rate with conventional semen even in block carving herds uh, and and in fact i've actually seen a lot of a lot of block carving farmers who've tried it they've front loaded so they've started serving at day minus 10 of their service period and they've actually found that they've they've done it so well that they've actually pushed their service period forward they've actually moved the whole block 10 days earlier so it is possible and uh, you know i think that that that's potentially a way that you can you can alleviate some of that yeah, I totally agree, uh, Stephen. I think uh, sex semen, as you say, it's been around a long time and a lot of people's first experiences of it were disappointing. They they, they used it just on heifers uh, and d- 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 despite that, they still got poor pregnancy rates, significantly below conventional. So I think a lot of people in the past have been put off using it, but there have been big steps forward uh, in, in in the technology. And more people are using it, and I would encourage people to use it now. I think the whole reproductive area of reproductive management on farms has, has come has moved forward, and we understand it a lot more from the physiology, and we can intervene in in more meaningful ways and more effectively now, using medicines um, if necessary and synchronising animals. We can use technologies such as genomics to identify the best animals in the herd um, from from which we breed replacements and minimise the amount of black and white uh, sex semen used. So from a cost point of view, that's great. And, and then use beef size on the rest. So we understand it a lot more. The technologies are better and, and certainly the conception rate on both heifers and, and cows I think now with sex semen are, are, are very much better. So we've we've got more tools, and I think those things together can help improve that the the, the value of those calves when on day one uh, when they're born. So if we can do that and we can get a valuable um, calf on the ground, then there's a lot more incentive to look after that animal from day one, and that's where the management bit starts. On the uh, subject of management, I think one of the very common queries regarding this scheme has been what do we do in in the case of, of TB breakdown farms? Like what is a sensible contingency plan? 
I mean, have you had feedback from farmers on this and what is your answer to it? So from our point of view, it's huge and it it is such, I think it has such a a lasting effect on those farmers, you know, emotionally and everything else, you know, when they see carbs stacking up, disease creeping in, you you know, with pneumonia and coccidiosis and and all of these and crypto that that can be associated with, um, you know, stocking rate and, and poor hygiene in those types of scenario. This is the sort of thing that you would see with carbs stacking up when you're when you're TB restricted. I don't think we have enough units yet for, for AFU units. Uh, we we definitely need more. There's there are, are some challenges to that, and and I think that um, the industry will respond. And uh, you know some of those commercial opportunities will be identified by by people who will be able to set those up. There are other options for isolation units um, and I do see a, a huge opportunity there for perhaps people uh, from outside of the beef and dairy industry potentially use, utilising buildings uh, to attach themselves to, to to take on calves just from one unit to set up as, as their own isolation unit and I can see that as being quite a good way for, for new entrants actually getting into farming. So there are opportunities that would come up but, uh, but I think build Bill might have a perspective on this too. To quote uh, an ex-colleague of, of mine, there's nothing good about TB, and uh, the, the the calf side of it is um, a, a, a real sort of um, health and welfare disaster often. Um, and I, I, I don't think there's an easy way around it. Uh, stocking density and, and, and higher stocking density are risk factors for most of the neonatal diseases and, and young calf diseases, particularly the infectious causes of diarrhea uh, and, and pneumonia. And as we've already touched on, often these animals are, are not uh, housed in bespoke um, uh, calf housing to begin with. So there's already, you know, ventilation issues or, or, or airspace issues uh, associated with getting fresh air in and keeping moisture levels down. So Everything's kind of stacked against the calf. Somebody once told me many years ago, you know, every building has uh, a number of calves that it can cope with. And it will tell you what that is, because that will be the number that survive. Uh, sadly, we, we, we often try and exceed that, either uh, because um, putting calf housing up is, is, is usually not first choice when there's money available to, uh, to, to invest uh, in a dairy farm. Or, or because we're in a situation where, you, you know, we simply we've got cows stacking up and we can't get them off farm. So often the the, the, the building's not suitable and the numbers put, put pressure on. So having that contingency plan, I think just thinking about a situation where you can't move cows off the farm and, you know, what would you do in that situation before it actually happens is is is, is the start of, sort of making making that plan because so many people don't and then find themselves in that situation um and and by then you know the bad things have started to happen and uh and 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 it's difficult to think straight so i think having a contingency plan for not being able to move calves on is a very sensible thing to draw up i I think also, you know, you, you mentioned, Bill, there about uh, investment. It, they, an all-singing, all-dancing calf unit is a, is a massive investment, however you look at it. 
I think there are options and this is some something that we've we put a lot of thought into um as the levy boards really we, we you know how can we support farmers with some of this and there's going to be a new resource that will come out in july uh, another shameless plug um but um a lot of that it, it's going to be a, an online resource we'll have it on our website and we'll talk through some of the principles of of some of the housing and things that you can already straight away uh, look at, calculations you can make, and some of those temporary facilities that you can create out of straw, making straw kennels or, or polytunnels or the like, which can sometimes offer quite a, quite a low-cost means of, of just increasing your capacity temporarily. Um, so, so absolutely, I, th- I think it's, it's, really, it's really important that, uh, that we highlight that. That sounds um, like a really, really great resource. Does it have a, a snappy working title that people can look out for just yet? Well, you know what? I should know that, but uh, we, we're, <gasps> we're normally my colleagues are um, are great with their titles, but uh, I, I think that's the last that they're going to come up with is the actual title. But I know the resource is nearly there, and we should get first view of that on Friday. So looking forward to that. <laughs> Oh, that sounds great. Well, I suppose um, for anybody listening, like we can always update our show notes when we do get the name of the resource and the link to the resource. We will make sure that we update it in the podcast description. Perfect. Moving on TB, um, obviously we talked about there are some massive financial challenges there as well, not just in terms of calf health, but also potentially in terms of um the value of the calf infected units as well. So if obviously if you have a dairy cross calf, um, your financial losses can be greatly increased by the fact just the very fact that the farm has TB. So what can we do when it comes to sort of calf value um, on farm and making that better? So so calf value, I mean, it's so difficult to talk about about that because there are market forces that will impact on this however you look at it and in my view you can either increase the value of that calf at birth by having a beef cross calf because you're using sex semen so you're making a a perhaps a more informed breeding policy decision well that's one thing that you can do and of course tb can curtail that because it can suddenly take the value off that calf because suddenly you've got a limited market for it the challenge comes from i think grading potential some of these animals that that perhaps traditionally we, we would talk about uh, black and white bulls or uh, mod, uh, or calves from moderate framed cows, for example, that their market is limited and their value is proportional to the, um, the amount of market that, that wants that calf. And I think that's potentially a huge barrier for, for particularly some types of herd. And there's a lot that we can still do. And I think there's there's still room in the market for these calves. I mean, we're 80% self-sufficient in beef. We're still importing a huge amount of beef. So at the moment, we've just got to get all the blocks in the right place uh, to be able to supply our own industry better with a with a more consistent product so we you know we can we can talk about consistency and the ability to to rear those animals so i think we're looking to industry now for for them to find those opportunities already with some of the calf companies are offering small stature schemes we've got um animals that are perhaps going into into mincing or uh, food service outlets for example 
Um, so a lot of manufacturing beef comes from those sorts of environments. But we're also starting to see artisan butcheries that are starting to, to see the value in perhaps some of these native cross um, moderate framed animals. And, and of course, we're, you know, we've got some um, cottage industry where you're now starting to see dairy farms see the value in those animals, rearing them themselves, finishing them and selling them to their local village. So sort of by communicating, by trying to build this, you know, I think that we can steadily find outlets for those calves. Bill, I don't if you've got anything to add on that. Yeah, I, I can't overemphasize the the the. The, the need for sort of empathy with calves. I mean, we're, 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 I think we've got drawn into a little bit uh, a low-value calf can't be reared successfully and, um, you, you know, is going to hit sort of disease in, in, in the systems that we're using to uh, for calf rearing and therefore, you know, we're going to suffer high mortality. There's lots of people out there who rear black and white bull calves really well and do have got that attention for detail and do all the little um, sort of uh, things correctly and follow, you know, the fundamental protocols for, for calf rearing really well. So lower value calves can be reared successfully uh, and profitably. Uh, we are always under market forces for them, of course, and, and, and they're not going to rear, they're, they're not going to yield the same margins. So, the longer term strategy, obviously, is to produce less of them and to move towards, you know, the breeding technologies that we've already talked about. But it is possible with consistently following um, a, a, a protocols and understanding the requirements of the calf and having the empathy that, you know, these things are, are, are not the same as cows and, and looking after to do the job well. And there's like I say, there's lots of people out there with, with very low mortalities and, and, and low morbidities and um, getting good results. So it's really taking what they do and using that sort of, you, you, you know, knowledge transfer and, and trying to spread the word on it. It is, it, you know, it's not a lost cause when uh, uh, rearing a black and white um, bull car. Yeah, and I, I, I guess um, one thing that it, I have noticed from talking to quite a lot of farmers, even just around here in this village, there's there's a, a lot of collaboration out there. I think it's that's the name of the game. Um, we've got calf companies that that supply a service and they can take calves and home those, you know, in a, in a uniform fashion, which is fantastic and it's a really useful resource. But there's also Derek down the road who takes twenty calves and does those really nicely and. And, and and Gemma who does the same in in the next village and I I think those trusted relationships are really important and we we did a webinar at AHDB just um, several months ago and and um, Gemma Holden was was on that too from Red Tractor and we worked with the NFU on that too and Laura Audrey who was one of the beef farmers uh, on there she was talking about she sees a huge amount of value in paying an extra £10 for every calf that she buys because they will have been vaccinated on the dairy farm, which meant, means that they would be protected at that very stressful moment that they land on her farm. And, and to her, that was w worth every penny of that £10. So these sorts of 
this communication and this trust, I think, is 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 phenomenally important. Um, and and I can just see that building those trusted relationships local to your farm, um, I can see being a, a, a major way forward. Another very basic one, Stephen, will be colostrum. So I know we have um, clients here that would buy bull cars that want to know that those cars have had colostrum and they don't mind paying a little bit extra to have testing done to see that those animals have received that because they know what like what's likely going to happen is they're going to end up with a better product at the end of it as well. It, it, absolutely. And, and I think you can always ask questions about that. And I think there's a there's a farm I know not so far from where I live here down in Ashbourne and they will be sending all their calves um, to the same calf buyer. Uh, they will make sure there's margin in it for that calf buyer. So they're not selling at the tip top of the market. But there's a value to that dairy farm in the peace of mind of knowing that that rearer will take all of their calves. And I think we can't underestimate that value. Um, so, yeah, and, and of course, there's there's companies now that are waking up to the fact that we need that transfer of information in these different stages of the of the chain. And they are, there's an app, uh, there's all sorts of companies that do it, so I better not mention any, but they, um, they will feed back that information. So uh, that's all important to the dairy farmers, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think going back to what um, both you and Bill said before as well, is in that situation with TB and having that communication. Like if you have someone who's buying your calves, you need to know what's going to happen when you're suddenly in a TB breakdown situation. What I'm sort of hearing from this is, is actually, Obviously, there's, there's been problems thrown up and obstacles in a way of um, achieving this, but there seems to be some realistic help and advice out there. But the, the biggest thing for me that I'm getting from this conversation is there seems to be a real opportunity for collaboration and community among the like the farming world again. And I think we've really missed that, over, especially over the past year. So this is, you know, just one one conversation starter and one way to, to start getting farming communities back collaborating with one another definitely definitely i think it's uh it's massively important and and uh, i think there's a lot of help out there um you know i'm sure bill will have great relationships with with his clients farmer clients and uh, you know and i think every farmer should be able to to discuss things with their vets i mean that's that's all important particularly about transition and selection of cows to to breed to sex semen so so bill i don't know if you've got any yeah 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 certainly um i i, I think there is um there, there is opportunity for um you know setting up local uh, arrangements and that, that's the sort of holy grail isn't it that um uh calf rearers source their their, their calves from sort of local um uh, uh, local producers and they don't travel very far they don't have to go into collection centers um they don't have to uh, y- y- be mixed with other farms because there's a lot of calf rearing out there that, that is high risk and again that just adds difficulties of keeping animals healthy um but i think even even some of the bigger companies uh, that are taking, you know, big numbers of calves and, and, and are running those sorts of systems are understanding now that um, those early days on the source farms are, are, are critical when they are looking into colostrum monitoring. They are BVD screening. Um, they are uh, 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 at a premium on for, um, uh, for, for pneumonia vaccination. So um, I think, 
they're seeing value and 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 they're paying people uh, they're paying producers uh, a little bit more for those calves and that money is coming from the, the the people who take them on and finish them so it's getting passed down the chain it's a developing um, sort of situation and improving situation but there's still yeah there's still a long way to go and of course we're not all going to be able to set up local sort of arrangements and get rid of all your cows to the the, the guy up the road who raised them for you that's you, if you can do that there are lots more sort of uh, artisan sort of setups now and I think you know people are prepared consumers are prepared to pay a bit more for uh, for those sorts of things in many cases but there will always be the the the, the, the bigger the bigger buyers and, and, and the big companies and um, uh, uh, they need to be moving forward as well uh, because just from a numbers perspective they, they, they take so many so uh, I think that is happening um, but we, we need to keep pushing it forward. All right. Wow. So we've we've gone through an awful lot today. So I just wanted to really quickly summarise those those three main points um, and the areas um, that we can direct farmers to to um, to try and uh, overcome them. So what have we talked about today? We've gone through TV breakdown. We've gone through set semen, um, and we've also gone through sort of calf value in, in real terms so if i could ask you guys just for some snappy one-liners as to how best to overcome those those issues i love doing this and people hate it <laughs> <laughs> think about tb assume you're going to get a breakdown tomorrow because you may get a breakdown tomorrow um you just can't predict how how the disease is going to spread and keep popping up and have a plan what you're going to do with calves and 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 how it's going to impact your uh, calf movements housing and, and, and management of calves so mm-hmm. um you're not having to uh, bring that together and, and come up with that plan at a time when everything's going wrong and you're going to be under a lot of stress so yeah. uh, i know it's a requirement of some of the aligned contracts now to 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 have that um tb contingency plan mm-hmm. uh, but ev- really, everyone should um, should have that and, uh, uh, and and think about it before it happens. So contingency, maybe make some plans with your vet in a low stress situation rather than a, a high emotional demand one. Have a chat Absolutely. with your, yeah. your farming friends and, and figure out what it, their plans are so you can build on it. It's the okay. opportunity to talk about calf housing and how that impacts health. Uh, anyway, you know, in terms of yeah. uh, diarrhea and pneumonia, which are head and shoulders, the the, the two things that uh, kill calves. So, um, yeah, have have that conversation. Uh, have it whilst you're doing your your fertility visit. Uh, you know, it's um, it, it 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 costs nothing to have that discussion and, and draw up a plan. Yeah, and I'd just add to that. Just consider consider. Um, what it would take to set up a TB isolation unit and, uh, and, and think about, you know, who you could collaborate with to make that work. Um, just remembering, of course, that they can only take calves from your holding. Uh, but, um, there are, there's a lot of information, uh, from the NFU, Red Tractor and AHDB on the AHDB website. So thank you so, so much to everyone who has joined us today. It has been a really interesting and enlightening discussion. I really hope that we've provided our listeners with some useful information to help help you all successfully rear dairy bull calves. 
And um, Stephen, I just I am going to put it in the show notes, but can you just reiterate which resources AHDB has available to support farmers on this subject? Of course, absolutely. Um, starting from the beginning, we've got the uh, herd genetic report, which is available to all farmers who are, are milk recording. Uh, that, if if you don't have access to that, really give us a call. We're all here, and we can we can sort that out for you um, straight away. Then you can use that to to identify the cows you want to, to breed to sex semen. We've got other uh, resources for transition, uh, and I'd urge uh, any vets to get in touch with us. We've got posters that they can send to their clients to, to get them to monitor transition success and therefore identify cows which perhaps you should prioritise for beef semen. And um, we've got a calf management resource, which we'll talk, talk about a lot of what Bill touched on today, actually, about just sheer uh, risk management and just ensuring your colostrum management we've got those resources and in hard copy too we do have a frequently asked questions page and that is available if you google dairy calf strategy 2020 to 2023 uh, on ahdb you'll find the frequently asked questions page which will answer a lot of your questions, I, I would hope. And for anybody really who wants to, to look at, uh, I know there's a lot, uh, for, for anybody who's interested in margins and potential margins and what the costs of actually setting up a bit of a calf rearing business would be, we have a Holstein bull calf calculator, which will allow you to, to add in feed rates uh, and, and calculate what potential margins you could uh, you could make. Thanks, Stephen. Um, and uh, we will be back in a month's time. But for now, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Vetspective for Farmers podcast and tune into our sister podcast, Vetspective for Vets. And if you'd like any more advice from your local vet, please visit the Vet Partners website, www.vetpartners.co.uk to find your local practice. I'm just going to sneak in here with a with a final note. If you haven't already done so, please could you complete our Project Feet survey. This will help us better understand opinions about lameness conditions in dairy cattle and our approaches to treating various diseases. The link to the survey can very handily be found on the Vet Partners website. Thanks very much. <laughs>